In this conversation, Coach and I talked to his longtime friend and past teammate at University of Evansville, Mr. Bruce Kennard. We talk about building a team and what it takes to get athlete buy-in. Enjoy the conversation. How long has it been since you've talked to Coach? Yeah, I haven't talked to him uh, since we were all on together. There he is. <laughs> hey. Hey. What's up, big guy? How you doing? Doing all right. How are you? I'm, I'm hanging in there. I mean, we're all bored over here because can't do anything. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's you're in Hawaii, but you can't go out and really do anything. So well, that's what kind of way it is here. Although we're getting out a little bit. Well, it's a good place to be in quarantine, and then if you're going to be bored, might as well be bored in Hawaii. Well, I can think of worse places to be. I got to admit, but um, it's still you. You know, no matter where you are, when you're stuck like this, you get you get a little antsy. Yeah. Oh, I hear you, Coach. We we reverted, man. Bruce, we had uh, we had some past swimmers on, some um, some uh, girls, and that coach used to coach, and they upped our our uh, our viewership by quite a lot just because of their their looks. So now we're going. <laughs> well, it never hurts. No, they ugly it up a little. Huh? <laughs> we're going to go in the tank today, then. But... <laughs> well, I'm the only consistent ugly, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, so we're live right now. Um, Bruce, welcome back, man. Uh, it's been a while since uh, we've talked to you. I was just asking you, when's the last time you talked to Coach? And I'm guessing it was the podcast, huh? It was. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, we are in touch when I'm in in Indiana. But other than that, we, you know, we don't uh, have a lot of occasion to to get a hold of each other. No, it's good having you back on. Of course, I wanted to do something where we talk about um, building a team, building a family, kind of trying to get uh, athlete buy-in as well. And of course, you got a lot of experience coaching experience as well. You coach for uh, University of Hawaii. I don't know how long how long you did, but if you don't mind expounding on that. Well, I, I started my coaching career really in here in Kailua in Hawaii at the Windward YMCA. Uh, and then I left there and went back to Evansville for three years and, and coached uh, the Evansville Swim Club, which I'm probably not even there anymore. But um, And then I came back and I started at the university. Actually, I went to Pearl Harbor first uh, for a couple of years, and then I went to the university starting in uh, 1980. I was uh, assistant coaching with the women's team. Um, and then in, in 81, I, I switched over to assistant coach on the men's team, and I, and I took full-time job there as the aquatic director running the complex and coordinating all the activity and so on um and then i and i stayed there until 2011 uh coaching on and off depending on you know what else was going on i was coaching uh the the men's team i was uh when they got a new ad who didn't want uh someone doing two jobs uh i, I switched and i was coaching a high school team for maybe five or six years then when when they got a, a new AD, then I came back and I was coaching at the university again uh, until 2001, and then I started coaching age group until uh, 2014 uh, when I retired completely. So, you know, it was um, I was I was not really changed up too much because I was all right in the same. I mean, the university and the high school were a mile apart, and um, and then the club team I started coaching is here in Kailua where I live. So. You know, it was all pretty convenient for me, then, and that I was working or and or living in the same same location I was coaching. 
Well, good. I'm glad to have you on. We'll get into that a little bit, but uh, before we do some small talk, I just want to get the conversation rolling a little bit. We'll turn it back over to Coach. Coach, how was your uh, weekend? You been up to anything? You get on back on a bike? <laughs> <laughs> no, the bikes are. I'm done with the bikes. But uh, no, I just uh, same same old same. I went and watched the boys play baseball. Yeah. Uh, well, it was it was the older my older grandson played this weekend. We were down in uh, where were we? Um, I guess Westfield, that big complex down there, and. Um, They've got like 26 baseball fields, Holy softball Lord. fields, some, something like that, 20, 23, 26. And then they've got something like 20 uh, soccer fields. They've got – and the Colts do their uh, – the, well, not this year, but uh, they started last year, I think it was, maybe two years ago. They, they do their uh, pre-season stuff there, but uh, not this year. Uh, but anyway – that's what I did. Watch, that complex uh, watch sounds about as big as this whole island. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's 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 incredible what they've got there. They've got two buildings that they play. One they play indoor soccer, baseball, whatever. The other one they have uh, six or eight um, basketball courts in it, and the Pacers are involved in that one. And it's an it's incredible. We go down there all the time. It seems like the boys play basketball down there, and they play. Baseball down there, and any hits? Boys, get any hits? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's 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 pretty good. He's uh, he's a decent hitter and, and uh, uh, really uh, a real decent pitcher. Okay. And, How old uh, is he? He's thirteen. That's his least favorite sport of the three. He likes football, basketball, but baseball is his least favorite. <laughs> well, you know, I always thought baseball was kind of boring, so I can see a, a kid that's good yeah. at. At you know other sports like that, I mean, probably would be more involved because you just more action. Yeah, nothing against well, baseball, he wasn't playing. baseball fans out there. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a huge baseball guy, but I mean, when they're playing, it's you know it's fun. It it beats the heck out of sitting here. Oh no, for sure. I used to go watch my kids, and you know, and I was kind of like drugged to it. But you know, once you, you're there and your kids are doing it, it's it is fun. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I miss baseball. My kids don't play baseball anymore, but uh, we golf. Golf and swim. I got one swimming, and then uh other two are golfing. Hopefully the girl will start swimming, but, of course, there is no swimming here. Um, as a... yeah, Actually, Coach, they're supposed to start July 13th. They found the pool, so I just got an email. July 13th is supposed to start practice back up, but we'll see. Well, you know, it's going to be interesting because you're going to have all kind of rules, I'm sure, about, you know, you got to leave 10 seconds apart or whatever it's going to be. And, um, but you know, they're, you know, you're still passing each other and, you know, spreading right. all them germs. So it's kind of, you know, seems silly to me, but, <laughs> but it seems of, of all environments, that would be one of the safer ones. <laughs> with yeah, the chlorine. I mean, you know, the chlorine, you know, my, my sister or not my sister, my daughter's in Virginia and she just got a summer, you know, uh, above ground pool for her kids for the summer. And, was asking me if the chlorine would kill the virus. I said, well, they, I don't think they found anything that chlorine doesn't kill yet as long as you got the right <laughs> dose and, you know, you nail it. But, um, so, yeah, it's, I think it is when you get to your, your option, that's about as safe as you can get. Bruce, uh, Bruce is it 1 o'clock there in the afternoon? 
Yeah, it's 107. Okay, so coach, when I was trying to set this up, I was like, Bruce, you got to make sure that we do it so that you can have at least have a drink with me and coach. So yeah, he's like, so, <laughs> you know, I got to, you know, I've been known to have a beer at lunch, so it's, uh... <laughs> there you go. I'm drinking my bourbon, coach. I saw you had a drink too. So what do you got, gin, gin and tonic? Yeah. All right. What kind of beer are you drinking, Bruce? It looks like a Kona. It's a Kona Brewing. It's a Wailua wheat, which okay. is uh, the red label. Know, I mean, I, that surprised me. I used to be nothing but a light beer drinker, and, um, and uh, this wheat beer I found most wheat beers I like. So. This is brewed here locally. Yeah. If you can where the picture is there, but um, oh, okay. Wow. But widely old wheat, and it's it's a good beer. Yeah, we get those down yeah. here. I've had a few of those. Oh, it's good. Good. Yeah, yeah they're um kind of our uh, Kona Brewing has you know expanded to to quite a you know they got several breweries as you probably know on the mainland and yeah um you know so they're they're pretty well known. My brother in Missouri. Uh, has a brew that he likes from Kona. I don't recall the name, uh, Hanai, Hanale, or something like that, yeah. that he really likes. So they get around, yeah. No Coors Light? No. <laughs> Coors, you know, I think I got my share of Coors back in the day. And that's, um, you know, I'm not much of Coors Light. You might as well drink water, you know? Yeah, no, that, well, that's what um, I, I drink. Uh, I drink Pilsners now. Uh, I like to buy them in cans because I can fit more in my fridge. So. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I'm usually, you know, they're just easy. You know, we have to make a deposit to the state. It's like a tax, basically, for every bottle. So, you know, and can for that matter. But cans are just easier to recycle. So, I would normally have cans, but yeah, uh, for whatever reason, I have a bottle. Uh, Bruce, anything uh, especially you did for Father's Day? And a coach, coach just um, hung out know, with his grandkids. Yeah, we, uh, my grandkids are all on the mainland, so we had my my son and my niece and uh, my wife's brother, you know, and we just cooked out, you know, cooked burgers and dogs like everybody else. And, you know, we have a, you know what a portal is? It's a, it's a similar to what we're doing here, except it's it's something that is through, through straight through the computer where it's just a, uh, you know, you can hook up with whoever else has a portal and, and my grandkids my, my kids and the grandkids all got on those. And so we had that kind of an opportunity to share some of the day, but, but, uh, I'm, it, again, depending on what happens this summer, I have two of my grandkids coming out, you know, at the end of July for a few weeks. And then I'm planning to go back, um, to, to the Midwest in, in mid, mid August. So I'll go back with them and my daughter in Virginia will come meet us and we'll spend a little time and they'll drive back. But that's all, you know, kind of, I mean, they, they haven't canceled the flight. I mean, they say they're opening them more and more, but, um, you know, we'll have to see. I mean, that's, that's kind of the plan. They're going to come here and then we're all going to go back there for a little while, but um, yeah, whether it happens or not. Yeah, no, I, I heard they were like arresting people for uh, tourists for breaking their quarantine. Like they were supposed to stay in their hotel room for two weeks and they arrested them. Well, and you know, if you come in now, they pass a new order law, whatever you call it. If you have a, a negative COVID test starting on August 1st, you can come in with no quarantine. Now, why they don't start that now, anybody's guess, but, and then, but up until then, if you go out and get caught, you know, they don't have bracelets on you or anything where they can track you down, but 
you know, I guess if uh, <clears throat> the community Nazi reports you, you, you could, you know, you could get arrested. They've, and they've, they've had people they've deported. I mean, they, they come in, they break, they break the quarantine and they say, you, you want jail? You want to go home? And they go, we're going home. It's kind of crazy, but that is crazy. The other side of the coin is, is that we had, I mean, we've had, you know, maybe a thousand total cases over here in, in the whole state. So it is very, you know, they're reluctant to let people come in until they have a way to control it because it's, it is under uh, pretty good control here compared to everywhere. Uh, I don't think there's much risk in catching it from each other over here. It's just when people come in that they may or may not bring it. So, uh, so they are a little anxious about it and won't know until people start coming, I guess. Yeah. But it is funny. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you you pay for a ticket to come over here, and you decide you want to go to the beach, and you get arrested. You gotta go home. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's definitely weird times. So I'm gonna go ahead and hand it over to Coach. Uh, want to talk about building a team and and getting athlete buy-in. So Coach, um, give me some of the characteristics of the best teams that you've ever coached. Well, I. I, I don't know. I, you know, I guess numbers and, <laughs> and then, you know, class kids, which, you know, as you know, we, we had a lot of them, you know, we had, we had more success with the girls because they were, uh, there were more of them, but they, uh, you know, and they were, you know, the more competition you have, uh, I think the better the kids are. And we had a lot of competition and very competitive kids, you know, that swam on those teams. And so, you know, I guess our better teams, that, that was the main thing. They, they were very competitive. Um, I think they were close, you know, to, to one another. And I think that goes all the way back to the age group program because a lot of them started there and swam together for, you know, several years before they got into high school. But I would say the, the main characteristic of them was that they were, they were very competitive, but they were very, you know, they were very consistent, very, um, very intelligent kids. You know, and as you, you know, as we've talked in the past, they, they've gone on and done, you know, you guys have done fantastic things. Didn't surprise me from the way you were in high school. <laughs> when you say they were competitive, you mean like competitive with one another? Is that what you yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think they pushed each other and practiced a lot. I, I think that's, uh, I think that's the main advantage to like, you know, or the main disadvantage to small schools and things like that. I don't think you have the competition for spots. You know, a lot of those small teams, small schools, you know, you had one or two kids coming out of there that swam pretty well. Everybody else came in, you know, three months out of the year and they, you know, they, you know, cared or couldn't, didn't, didn't care. Uh, I know when we had our small boys teams, five, six kids, I mean, you know, they were great and they did a super job, but there just wasn't the numbers to, to really be successful as a team. They were successful individually, you know, Tim Reed and, uh, you know, Tim and diving and, and, you know, we had, we had kids, uh, you know, that's, that swam well and everything, but we just didn't have enough as a team to score points and be successful from that standpoint. Um, I think, and it hurt, you know, from a competitive standpoint because they didn't have somebody in there that they were either trying to beat. You know, I think Ed Walsh was a perfect example of that. Ed wanted, you know, uh, Bruce said was a kid came in as a freshman, never swam in his life. God, I picked him, <laughs> I picked him up out of, out of, uh, class. And said, you know, you ought to try it. I think the first time, Louie, what was it? He swam a 653 or something for a 500. Yeah, barely broke seven minutes. Yeah. Something like that. And he wound up four years later, he wound up going five, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, wound yeah. up going 452 at state. Oh. And, 
and then went to Ball State on a scholarship, swam at Ball State, wound up going like 435 or something. I don't know, crazy. Um, and that was all. He didn't start till he was a freshman. Uh, but he decided he wanted to be as good as a couple of the kids on, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple of the kids on the team. And that's what it took. I mean, every single day that kid went after him, every day. And, you know, every time he got in that pool, he was bound and determined he was going to get closer and closer. And he eventually he caught up with a couple of them. And so I, I think that's really important uh, uh, that, you know, that, that you have that competitive nature. A uh, lot of respect he had for the other guys. He just he loved them. He just wanted to be as good. So, you know, when you have that kind of attitude on kids, you can't miss. We had a lot of that. Now, I mean, Ed had some drive. Do you think that you can instill that into an athlete like drive or is that just something that they have to come there with? I think a lot of it has to do with the kid. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I wanted every kid to be, you know, to be like that. And I, I'm, you know, I did, I wasn't successful getting every kid to feel that way, but you know, I mean, basically I always looked at it individually and thought, you know, if the, you know, if the kid's doing well, um, I mean, you know, you said yourself, you know, you can, you can either be really negative or you can be, you know, really positive. And when you started swimming and you didn't want to come and talk to me after your first 200 freestyle or whatever, <laughs> you were crying and upset. But when you came, you know, the only thing I said to you was, Hey, you did three flip turns. just like I asked you, you know what I mean? I could have screamed and yelled and said, Oh, you stink <laughs> and all that. But I think I, you I just, did. I, just, I think you I, actually did yell at me. I don't think so. <laughs> You're going to start making things up again. I'll tell you what. But uh, no, I, I, I mean, I really feel like that's, you know, I, I think a lot of that, you know, I had nothing to do with your, you, you know, you wanted it yourself. You know, I didn't have to do anything to make you want it. You know, there's some kids that, that I think you can drive and you can, you know, and I would talk to and, and things like that uh, to try to get them to understand that uh, being better themselves and all that kind of stuff, it was going to be, it was going to be better in the long run for them. And I think a lot of the kids were, were like that. So I don't what about you, Bruce? You know, you know, I have Mike. I always had the, uh, the, you know, the thousand dollar question that, you know, in the age group world, what comes first? Do the do the parents get involved in the in the program because their kid is good, or is the kid get better because the parents get involved? I never had those kind of kids whose parents were involved. You never had those kind of kids get loose. I never did have those kind of kids get in trouble. You know. And and kids whose parents just dropped them off and were thank God I want to see you for two hours you know were the ones that that you know you had to deal with and um, I always thought you know well it's an interesting question because I don't you know it can go either way I mean I mean certainly some parents who are involved don't have kids that are superstars but but the kids are are good kids and they're they're doing their best and so on so um, I, I think that kind of goes to what you were talking about the, the family and the parents. You know, it's real important in what those kids have instilled in them before you ever even see them. Right. But, you know, uh, we, you know, we, well, we were just laughed last weekend with, um, with Cindy and everything. You know, Cindy was like during practice, she's like, that's my, you know, that's my time. That's my, that's my two hours where I get, get those kids away from me. <laughs> yeah. And, but I mean, and she was one, you know, she was one of our, I mean, our, we just had fantastic parents. Of course, we didn't have, no, we didn't have a 300, person team, you know, kid team. We didn't have 300 kids swimming where, you know, where you, you kind of would get off on that kind of thing like that. We had, you know, we were a close knit, uh, small team, 35, 40 kids at the most. Uh, and the parents were super supportive. 
and the kids were great kids. And yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, they came to us as great kids. <laughs> they didn't necessarily evolve as great kids. I hope, I hope swimming helped them, uh, you know, in some way and, oh, yeah. you know, and things like that. But, but yeah, you know, my, you know, my wife, Chris, that was the same way she was. She says, you know, you take those three kids for two hours <laughs> and I can go to the store and I can get stuff done that I want to get done. And, you know, and I totally understood that, you know, I, that, that was fine. I didn't have a lot of parents hanging around and, uh, but they were always there, you know, you know, they were always there to pick their kids up. They were always there to ask if they, if I needed their help, they were always there to help at meets and all that kind of thing. So yeah, you're right. I mean, I think, uh, uh, you know, that is a good question. I don't, you know, we wouldn't let our parents stick around. <laughs> it was like, exactly. you drop them off and you leave. And if you know, you don't trust me enough, then don't drop them off here. Take them somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we didn't, we didn't really have a rule, uh, you know, and I didn't have, you know, we had a few people and it was mainly the ones that lived out. You know, I mean, as uh, in the age group program, we had some kids that lived out of Perry Central, which was a 25, 30 minute drive. You know, we had an hour maybe an hour of practice for an eight and under. I mean, you know, so I couldn't blame them for kind of hanging around. Oh, sure. And I only had a couple of parents that I ever had to say anything to uh, about, please don't talk to them while we're practicing and that type of thing. I, you know, I'd have one up there every once in a while, you know, doing this, like you're stroking. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, you know, please don't, you know, and, and most of the time I don't, I never had a problem. So, I mean, you know, they, they, you know, if I asked them to leave the kids alone, they did. And I was very fortunate in that way. My son played football, and then he coached football, high school football, still does. Um, and he's he had parents, you know, come in and more often coming after a coach than their kid, but by the same token, yelling at their kid for A, B, C, or D. So, I mean, that wasn't acceptable, but, you know, they just, I don't know, they made him leave. But, I mean, I never had something like that happen in swimming. So you're pretty fortunate in swimming because, like, not a lot of parents understand, like, they didn't swim themselves, you know, so like their kids brand new to swimming and it's a new sport to them. So like that's where that's really the real fortunate aspect of swimming comes They're The parent doesn't really know too, a lot about swimming, so they're not going to say a lot. Right. But like I know I know that both of you have had the instance where the kid was like cutting out on a on a session, you know, maybe like a 50 or a 100, you know, he's taking a break. And the parent yelled down from the stands or the deck or say like yelled at their kid like, "Hey, what are you doing?" kind of thing, right? You've you've had that happen. Well, like I say, we didn't let the parents stick around, so usually it was me yelling at them. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, you've never had that. I, happen? I don't. I just don't remember uh, you know any of that kind of stuff happening. But I I can remember being at meets and seeing other uh, every once in a while. I mean, I remember one time out in Kansas City. Guy just, I mean, he just went absolutely bonkers. I he threw his. All of a sudden, we're stand, we're, we're watching our kids swim, and his kid must have been in that heat or something. Next thing you know, he throws his clipboard down, shatters all over the place. He starts screaming at that kid, and I mean, just berating something awful. We just stood there and just like, you got to be kidding me. And I don't know if he coached his kid or what. I, you know, I, I, I don't remember, but. Uh, you know, saw stuff like that. And then I've heard, you know, I, I can remember, you know, I always thought people like Doc Councilman, oh, he never, you know, he never had any trouble. <laughs> well, hell, I remember talking to a guy that swam at IU and he coached, he coached at Donner for a while and, 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 uh, got to talk and, and we actually, we swam against each other. He was really good, obviously. 
And, uh, but we got to talking, and he was talking about how his mom would go to Doc constant. Uh, constant. What, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this, Doc? You know, I mean, he's the greatest coach in the world, and he's got a mother talking to him like, you know, why aren't you doing this, coach? You know, he's like, oh, my God, I can't, I can't imagine. <laughs> so it, it it happens to I guess every coach, but I yeah. was I was super fortunate and you know small community and lot just a lot of support and I I don't ever remember anything like that ever. Yeah, you know I don't know if I ever told you, Mike, but um, John Land, who had a, a son or daughter that swam for you, was a classmate of mine. Um, JB. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, we uh, I, it's been a couple of years now. I, I, but we were at some place having a beer, he and another fella and myself and, uh, in Evansville. And, uh, you know, he's like, Oh yeah, I'm, I, you know, my daughter's a swimmer. And I'm like, dude, you gotta be kidding me. You know, <laughs> like, you know, it was, you were the coach and I was just, uh, how bizarre is that? You know, the small world. Jennifer and Jamie both swim. Yeah. Jennifer gets on here quite a bit, actually. Uh, Jennifer's, yeah. uh, J- uh, John's daughter. So, yeah. But, uh, but he's, he's, uh, you know, He's one of those guys. I'll probably try and call him when I, when I'm there. Um, the, the the third person that was our that we were together with just passed away. But um, you know, J- JB was. Uh, you know, it's, it's always good to see those. Little, I, mean, I would say I don't stay in touch with most of those guys until I'm back there, and then if I have if I can manage to get together with as many as I can, I try to. But JB, yeah. JB probably told you the truth about me, right? Well, he did tell me some things I didn't know, but. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce, name some of the characteristics of the best teams that you've ever coached. Well, um, when I was in Evansville, I had a, uh, some really great swimmers there, and again, it was just like Mike said. It was a small group. Uh, it was a club. It was a club format. We swam out Lloyd Pool. You know, they were the kids were all close. <clears throat> um, the, the parents were all supportive, uh, and you know, again, they were. They were talented kids, and I was lucky to, to be there when they were, you know, when they were all together because they were quite successful. Um, and then um, at the university, you know, same kind of thing, really. The teams are smaller, and we had some really talented kids, um, especially on the on the, uh, the last few years in uh, 1999 to 2001. Um, we had some really, really good kids. I mean, that went to the not American Olympians, but went to the Olympics uh, representing their countries and, uh, you know, we're all American NC2A division one type swimmers. Um, and again, it, it was, you know, those kids all were competitive. They supported each other. They pushed each other. You know, if, if uh, one of them was down, they had somebody besides a coach trying to, to, uh, you know, get them back focused. And um, that, that <clears throat> into the squad, chemistry is so important in my view because you spend you know swimmers especially at that level you know you know they spend six seven hours a day with each other um it's like a job i mean they're there all the time and we've all probably seen you know that scenario where you don't have kids that go along or at least uh, ignore each other i guess best case scenario but um when you have them all on the same page, you know, buying into what you're asking them to do, um, supporting each other as they go about doing it. Um, and I, I just think um, part of that, you know, I, 
I'm always one that I hesitate to, to take credit for a lot of things because, you know, kids come to you that are talented. Yeah, you help them along, but, you know, they're talented. Um, you know, kids that are brought up in a way, by the time I would see them at college, you know, they're young adults. They're sure they're going to develop more, but they're, they have a, an awful lot of character built into them. When they're, when they're that kind of kid and they support each other and they buy into the program and they make practice, unlike a couple swimmers I know um, that might have missed a practice here or there. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a big deal. I mean, I, I, I just really feel, uh, in my case, fortunate to have been uh, in the right place at certain times to have, you know, exposure with really talented kids. Going back to the family aspect and then, you know, encouraging each other and um, almost being a, a family type atmosphere. Is that something that just happens or is that something that you try to foster? Well, no, I mean, I, we, I think you definitely try to encourage it and, and, and foster it. Um, but I also think that, that some kids don't, don't get into that just because they're, you know, they're, you know, for lack of a better description, they're the loner type kids. And, um, you know, and I think it's even when you have a team like that, uh, it's easy for kids to get left out if, if, if you don't really have a, you know, that all inclusive format. And I mean, I look back and, um, you know, these kids would be in the middle of a, you know, a really killer set, you know, and they're, they're got five, 10 seconds rest, whatever it might have been. And, you know, they're, you know, they're not, you know, they're telling each other, okay, one more, come on, three more, let's beat our times. You know, they're, they're, they're just like Mike said, they're, they're competitive, but they're not, you know, they're supporting each other. They're not like, I'm going to kick your ass on this one. It's, it's, you know, come on now, let's beat that last one. And, and you know, they go together pushing each other. And, um, you know, uh, that's definitely something that I think any coach in any sport attempt to foster. And, um, you know, I, again, I think, you know, I think kids come with a lot of that character in them already. Uh, Coach, is that something that you can foster? I mean, can you foster encouraging each other? Sure. I, I, I think, you know, whenever you, you know, whenever you have your team meetings and you talk, I wasn't big on captains and that type of thing. And I know a lot of programs are and most of them, but I wasn't big on captains. I was more, more on, you know, focusing on the leaders and trying to get them to be all inclusive with the kids and all that kind of thing like that. But, um, I don't know, you know, you, you, especially in high school, I think, I, I, you know, because I never coached college, but I think, uh, high school, it, it gets tough at times because, you know, you've got so many, you know, you've got 14 year old kids that are very immature or you've got 14 year old kids who are very mature um you know then you've got 18 year olds who are getting ready to you know they're getting ready to go to college and and you know their minds are you know focused on that kind of thing um i think you know i think you you really have to be careful and listen and and uh you know i guess maybe fostering it in that way being patient i know there was a lot of times where i you know uh, maybe i wound up being patient i didn't think i was patient enough or whatever but i think i learned as we you know as as we went through you know, and I made mistakes and, and and everything, but yeah, I think you can foster it to, you know, to a point as far as you know, team continuity. Uh, they're all friends. You know, you, you one a couple of them are 
fighting or something like that, you know, you say, hey, you know, wait a minute, you know, you guys are best friends, you know, get past this. That's, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, see, I think you can foster it to a point. I I, know, I don't think you can really with the parents. I think you're just, uh, you know, you're, you know, you're just fortunate if they, you know, if they buy into, like Bruce said, if they buy into what you're doing and, and I was, again, you know, I've said so many times how fortunate I was. I mean, we had fantastic parents and they, they bought into what we were doing. And I think that was 95% of why we were, you know, I mean, it wasn't like we were an Olympic team or anything like that. I don't want to make it sound like that, but you know, we were successful for our size school and our area and that kind of thing. I think we did some things I was extremely proud of when it came to, you know, beating teams like Castle and, and, uh, you know, those kinds of things. But, um, you know, I, I, I think you do, you do foster that, but you foster it through adjusting, you know, adjusting yeah. to different situations and, and, you know, and, and maybe finding some things that are very positive and focusing on that, uh, you know, like sectionals and things like that. We were, especially in the girls, we were very successful for several years in, in sectionals and conference meets and things like that. And so it was, it was easy to, you know, to focus on that. So does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. But was there ever an instance where you and Bruce, you can answer this too. Was there ever an instance where you would take maybe an upperclassman and you'd be like, Hey, you know, watch out. Can you, can you like, take Jimmy underneath your arm, you know, like the freshman, you know, can you, can you handle him and, you know, make sure he's taken care of, you know, cause he's homesick or something like that. You know, do you ever do that, Bruce? Not, not exactly, but you know, in, in, at the college level, um, you know, we would, um, we would pair, uh, athletes like upperclassmen with, with incoming freshmen, um, just because, you know, it's it's a big thing. I mean, people, I mean, young kids go to college, but when you go to Hawaii, you know, you can't drive home at night. You know, and if you <laughs> if you miss if you're homesick, you know, you know, you may be a swimmer, but you ain't gonna make it all the way back. So, um, you know, you, you're stuck out there. Yeah. Um, and you know, so we we were aware of that, of course, and we tried to, you know, nip a lot of that kind of stuff in the bud so that kids wouldn't get, you know, wouldn't get overly homesick and so on that they just absolutely had to go see mom and dad, you know, because, you know, we, you know, they come in the fall The Christmas. That was a big part of our season because a lot of teams came and visited us at Christmas because they would come for Christmas training and then we would have a lot of competition. So they couldn't go home at Christmas either. So they were there for pretty, for basically a year. And so we, you know, we made that, that, uh, uh, step to, to have the upperclassmen, you know, involved on purpose. I mean, when I look back over the years, there was some that sometimes I think, oh, well, that was a mistake, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that kid up with that guy, you know, you know, and they're, you know, at the bar every night or something, you know, but, um, but at any rate, um, you know, overall, I think, you know, you try to, you know, you try to get, um, you know, a little bit of that continuity in your team. And then again, as you get to know the kids, you know, you know, which ones you might need to keep an extra eye on. But, um, you know, we, and we did a lot of things outside the pool. Um, 
you know, that I think helped help that team be, be or those teams, those years of team be close knit. Yeah, what kind of things? I was going to get into that. Like, what kind of fun things would you do to like build a team uh, atmosphere? Well, you know, we would do organized things. You know, we would, you know, we would, you know, the kids would report to the pool, and you know, we would gather them up. You know, and then we'd just say, okay, we're going to Waikiki. We're going to surf and body surf the rest of the afternoon. And we we would go down as a group and do that. You know, we would we would body surf um, <clears throat> the men's team. Most of them were were pretty decent surfers. We would uh, on Saturday mornings, not every Saturday morning, but occasionally we would just up and say, "Okay, grab you know, grab your board. We're going to Makapu or wherever, and we're gonna and we're gonna surf." Um, you know, we would go to the parks and we would do a lot of uh, dry land. Um, you know, ultimate frisbee, for example. I mean, we would play ultimate frisbee and have little tournaments between the teams, so that. You wanted the teams to be small, so they had to run a lot. That was the whole point of you know being fit. But but you know then you'd have little tournaments and 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 things of that nature. So we you know we would just in Hawaii, and this is true everywhere, but in Hawaii it's especially true. There's so many things that a young talented kid can do athletically. I mean, you can you can be a surfer, you can be a scuba diver, you can be a body surfer, you can be a water polo player, you can be a diver. You know you can things that that we have to compete with and if you put kids in a pool and watch them let them look at that line every day all day they're not going to stick with it so uh even at the age group level we you know you're aware of that because there's just so many op- opportunities and other things um and you, you have to yeah i mean we would we would play what we'd play water polo we'd go surf we'd use those activities but we were trying to we still had a goal of we're trying to be competitive swimmers, and I think we, you know, we were successful in that. But you know, we had that this, you know, we had this great outdoor playground, and we just we tried to use it. So, well, in Indiana in the winter, there's not much else to do but look at a black line. So, as you <laughs> yeah. know, um, I mean, <laughs> you know, one of the things I remember, Mike, and I may have I may have looked this up over the years, but I remember a lot of our workouts at the University of Enzo was Schleicher anyway. You know, the sets were like 20 times whatever, you know, 50 times whatever, you know. You know, like when I first started coaching, that's that was my experience was, you know, okay, we're, we're going to go 10 50s or 20 bit. Well, by the time I was done coaching, you know, I, I, I'd like to think I had some really creative workouts, you know, because, you know, Don's like, hey, these kids are as bored as I was when I was doing 20, <laughs> 200s or whatever it was. You know, let's figure out a way to keep challenging them, but, you know, but make them work hard and get away from the boredom. Yeah. Coach, did you ever pull aside like an upperclassman and, you know, tell them to take care of some lowerclassmen or anything? I, you know, I, I honestly can't remember ever doing that. I may have talked to, I, I may have talked to a few of them and said, you know, hey, what's going on here? What, you know, do you have any clue what's going on? I think it's a little easier with girls uh, in the high, the high school level. I mean, yeah. I think it's a little easier with girls because they, they, they seem to, to feel that way about each other, you know, where they they want to help and all that kind of stuff. You know, most guys are, are like, hey, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't want to help some freshman kid. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I don't know. You know, you were around there for four years. I don't know if I ever, 
if I ever did or not. You know, most of the time it would be disciplinary situations, you know, where, where, you know, we had some kids not getting along or, you know, whatever. And, and, uh, you know, I'd have to deal with that kind of thing. But I'm like Bruce, I, you know, I, I, I tried, it was the same way when I first started coaching, it was like, we're going to do 500, 500s. And, and, you know, I'm just going to ground and, you know, ground and pound and all that. But I think as, uh, you know, the longer that I coached and everything, you know, we came up, I, I, you know, I tried to come up with some things like running plunges and, uh, uh, you know, where we got out every 25 and, you know, you had to walk around the block and dive back in and, and just stuff like that. Like Bruce said, just to get the boredom, uh, away from that, because I was the same way. I, I'm, you know, I really, the, the sets that I like that Schleicher did were, you know, what the hypoxic sets or whatever, I guess, you know, where, where we got out and we went, you know, we went hundreds or fifties or hundreds as, as fast as we could go, but you had five minutes rest or, or whatever. And, you know, we'd all lay and lay on the deck and puke and, <laughs> and everything else like that. But, um, uh, yeah, I, you know, but no, I don't remember uh, a lot of times going to kids and saying, you know, you take your, you know, they're still with their families. Uh, yeah. There wasn't a lot of time, you know, once they got done with practice, it was, you know, go home and eat, study, whatever. Yeah. And with, But they were with their families. You know, you guys, you, you guys weren't on your own. Um, I, I remember, though, when, when we were in college, well, my freshman year, we went to, uh, was it Dr. Butler? Was that his name? The the oral surgeon. His son was a senior my freshman year. Uh, Wolf? Was it Wolf? I, I don't know. We went to his, uh, we went to his cabin. Kentucky Lake, Kentucky Lake. Lake, yeah, that was Wolf. That was uh, Wolf. Okay. Yeah, Tom Wolf uh, was the swimmer. I forget the dad's name, but Tom. Yeah, and uh, I remember that was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, I, I wish I, I, I wish I would been a little smarter and everything because I remember he 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 smoked some meat for us or whatever it was. Oh yeah. Oh um, my God. I don't think I've ever had smoked meat like that meat we had back then. <laughs> I've not, not so seen. It was so good. And I'd never, ever been around that. I mean, I'd never even seen it. And, uh, but we went on the boats and he had jet skis and, you know, we had a lot of fun and he gave yeah, us each 20 bucks or something like that for, for helping out. And we did absolutely nothing. Yeah. That's when they <laughs> but he gave yeah. us some money, which, which is a big deal for me. I didn't, I didn't have anything. So, so yeah, that was building cool. that place then. That's what they were paying us because we were labor. Right. And they, you know, they were, so one of the times we, we were poor in the basement, I don't know if you were with us that time, Mike, but they had a bunch of us that were uh, with wheelbarrows and because the truck couldn't get close enough to back the concrete in to just throw it in to make the floor. So he would drop it into these these wheelbarrows and our job was to wheel it over to the next room. Wheel it over. You know, and pour it in there. <laughs> I didn't know. I get, I grab a wheelbarrow and you know, it's one wheel wheelbarrow and the guy fills it up and I go to turn it. Just, it just over. dips right over. Yeah. The concrete goes all over the floor. Of course, the, the contact was just burning my ear like, you dumb. You know, rah, 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 rah. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, what are you going to do? But, you know, the, most of the stuff we did in high school would be, you know, we'd go down to carry GN or something like that after a swim meet. And the kids would all, you know, you guys would all sit together and eat pizza. And we, you know, the parents and we'd all sit and, and have yeah. pizza and, and, you know, drink a couple beers and that kind of thing. But, uh you know, and those were those were fun times. But you know, we that was after swim meets or or whatever. But you know, like I say, you know, so much of it when, when you're with families, you know, then Saturday morning practice or something like that. You know, if I wanted to go do something, uh, you know, 
you know, people would say, you know, Mike, we're, we're leaving at noon to go to Granny's or, you know, do that kind of stuff. So, you know, you're dealing with families. It's it's really hard to to do a lot of that. I mean, I, I, hopefully we did some, but, you know, I, I don't, you know, other than like, like I say, going out to eat and every once in a while we go to somebody's house and they grill out and, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah. uh, Mike, I got a good story for you about hypoxia. This was a, <laughs> it, in college when I was coaching. Um, we were finishing a workout and the, the last thing we were doing was 425s underwater with rest in between. And of course, this was this was before they started really cracking down on, on any hypoxic training because of the, the risk. And well, I might have been one of the reasons. But um, <laughs> anyway, one of the kids with with an assistant coach on the other side uh, decides he's going to swim 100 underwater without stopping. Uh-huh. Um, and so I'm over here running, you know, running these 25s and, and we let the kids, you know, I didn't have them on a set time. They could go whenever they wanted to go because I wanted them to be sure they had enough air. Well, at any rate, I'm watching all these guys. Well, and then they're all done and we're, and I'm looking at this coach is over on the other side and he's got this kid coming underwater. Well, I, for all I knew, he was just on his last one and he was, you know, just coming in. Well, you know, I'm watching him and everybody's kind of talking and the coach is walking away and I'm kind of watching him. And, he just stops and he just kind of like laying in the water, you know, and, and I said to one of the guys, I said, is, it, is he playing around or is he in trouble? And he looked underwater, just went right straight to him, pulled him up. The guy had passed out, pulled him up onto the pool deck. There's an athletic trainer there who was, you know, as soon as we got him out, was right there, started mouth to mouth. He started right and then, you know, puked all over and boom, he was fine. But anyway, we sent him to the hospital for the night. And this is the fun part of the story was this, he was a distance guy and he, you know, they had him and they put him under observation and they had him checking his heart rate and what respirations and all this stuff. Well, his, you know, they're checking him and his, and his heart rate is like, you know, 45 or something. And they're, and they're freaking out. They keep waking him up. They're saying, you know, are you okay? He goes, yeah, just let me sleep, you know. And, <laughs> and he called back to sleep. His heart rate go down to 40, whatever it was. They wake him back up because they thought something was wrong with him. He goes, so when I talked to him the next day, and he goes, he goes, yeah, they just wouldn't let me sleep because they didn't understand that, you know, this kid was a really fit dude, but he couldn't make 100 underwater. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, it turned out he was fine and so on. And, uh, of course, that, you know, I mean, we reported that. I mean, we didn't try to hide it or anything. And I don't know that it ever went anything any, anywhere past our university and our training room and all that. But, um, you know, it wasn't long after that that they became very, very uh, uh, interested in, in not, maybe not ending, but certainly monitoring any kind of uh, breath-holding type, type activity. And um, funny part of that story was the kid couldn't sleep because they kept waking him up. Yeah. But, well, I, yeah, I was scared to death of that. I mean, I, you know, I would, I, I'd stand on the diving board when we were doing, and, and we never did anything other, uh, you know, a lot of, I mean, I'd, I'd ask them to, you know, breathe every third, fifth stroke, something like that, you know, and, and that right. kind of thing. But the only underwater stuff we used to do, I, I think this is right, is uh, we, we did most of it with flippers. So you weren't underwater a whole lot, yeah. uh, a lot of time, but, you know, you, we, you know, you'd sprint, but we'd do 25s on the, you know, 45 or something no like breath. that where they got plenty of rest. 
but they'd hold their breath. And but most of the time, we used flippers when we did that. I think. Yeah, and, and we did a lot. We of did that a lot too. of underwater swimming. We did a lot of flippers swimming with, with even on top of the water, for whatever reason. Again, this is you know, twenty five years ago, but right. um, I, I don't really remember the situation. But you know, he, uh, you know, tried to instead of doing four separate ones, he decided to do. Yeah. You know, a hundred straight, and then you know didn't quite make it. So, uh, what was the farthest you ever went underwater? Uh, I probably made a fifty, maybe if I was. I certainly didn't get close to a hundred. I made yeah. a seventy-five one time. Yeah. See, I remember. Okay, because we we did do breath holds once. Maybe my freshman year, like we did. Um, we we saw how far you could go without breathing underwater. Because I remember you bragging, Coach, like, oh, I did a 75, and so everyone was trying to beat you. I think Scott Scott got out there and made like a 50 and a, you know, like a 50 and a half or something like that. Well, see, I did it after I was done swimming. Yeah, of course. And, everything, and, and I was well motivated because <laughs> it was for a six-pack. <laughs> oh, man. I'm surprised you didn't go for a case and go the whole hundred. <laughs> well, the 75 was plenty. <laughs> Oh well, man, where yeah. were we? Um, oh, I want to get into. Uh, I know we're we're coming up on time, and I don't want to keep you much more than an hour, uh, Bruce. But um, real quick, um, if you if you can think, what are some strategies strategies that you would use to get swimmers to like believe in your program or to get some buy in? What, what are some strategies? Well, you know, number one is is if you can show them something that works, and they've seen it work, then then they're in, you know, they'll buy it. Um, and, and I think part of it is also uh, a reputation. Um, you know, if, if you're Joe Blow that used to coach at the university and you're coaching age group, they're going to, hey, this guy must be pretty good. You know, they're not, you know I'm going to buy into that. Um, but when I was younger um, and, and, you know, nobody knew me, well, nobody knows me from Adam now still, but, but back in those days, I didn't even know myself. So, um, <laughs> you know, the... The things that we did, you know, I talked a lot with those kids in my younger days and 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 got feedback from what they had done already and what worked for them. You know, like, you know, what was your favorite set, for example, or something, you know, coaches last or, um, you know, what set did you like the best, you know, and, and, and what was your, you know, best event, blah, blah, whatever it might be. Um, and, you know, then, you know, you just try to, you know, find that that common ground where if they if they have a little success knowing that you got to have a great dive. This is a silly example, but you got to have a great dive on your fifty to be a good fifty guy. If they already know that, they're going to buy into what you're trying to teach them about a great scarf. Um, and you know, so I think a lot of that just comes with you know knowing the kids and having the kids be educated enough to understand what it is you're. You know, you're trying to teach them. You know, there's always a great saying that, um, uh, the, you know, they don't, kids don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. Yeah. Um, and I don't know who was responsible for that quote, but not me, but, but someone <laughs> down the line. Um, you know, but it's really true. You know, once you make that, that connection and, you know, you become a, a, a team and you're, you know, you're close knit, you know, it's, I think, I think selling things become pretty easy. Yeah. Um, but when you walk into a room and and they don't know you from Adam and you're telling them, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to do that, and I don't care what you did before, uh, you know, 
that, that that to me is not the right way to go about it. You may end up doing it that way, but you don't start off telling them that. You know? So it sounds like you got you did a lot more like individual type stuff. Like you got to know the person to get their buy in. Like sit down with yeah. them. I mean, yeah, you know, um, I, I always felt, um, and you know, I I look back and I had my greatest success with with kids that I became closer with, um, and. And part of that is because you spend more time with the kids that are uh, willing to stay and do extra work. And, you know, that, that's where you get more time with them. But, um, you know, I, I mean, I tried to, I tried as a coach to treat everybody the same. But I look back and I know that I had my favorites. I mean, I, 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 I got to believe that, it, you know, even though I didn't think I was showing it, I probably was to some degree. <laughs> um, but I, I certainly didn't try to. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, you know, when we would do things, I mean, you know, uh, uh, we would do things together. Like if I go back to the start, if I if I was convincing somebody that the start is this is the key to your 50, you know, I didn't just work. I mean, I was telling everybody that, you know, we worked together on all those things. Um, but I just felt like, you know, if you could get a, uh, you know, you get some of your great summers when you're new in any kind of situation. You know, buying into to what you're doing, the new kids who know that that guy or that gal is is good, you know, they're gonna lean, they're gonna tend to go with the way those kids go. If, if your superstar thinks the coach is, you know, worthless, that's not a good situation for your new swimmers coming in. You want to have, like Mike said, you have these great relationships with these kids and these teams, and that's what, you know, the young kids come in and see that, and then I think that's how it continues to to just blossom and keep growing. Yeah. Now, if your superstar thinks you're an idiot, get rid of your superstar. It's not worth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, well, you know, I guess if they're a real superstar, you got to you got to live with it. But, you know, <laughs> you got to say at least be quiet. You know. <laughs> yeah. I look back and I, I and I'm in. T- I mean, I'm in touch with kids that I used to coach back in the in the '70s. I mean, when I first started, I still. I mean, not regularly, but you know, I'll see them. Um, I was in Evansville last summer. I went to the, they had a golf tournament at uh, Victoria National, which is a, is by Castle High School. It's a big, fancy golf course. And I'm on the bus go, chance going in, and one of the kids I used to coach is on that bus. Oh, cool. And he, he looks, he recognizes me. I didn't even see him, but he recognizes me. and goes, you know, it's truly, you know, looks just like Bruce, but he said, you know, what would he be doing here, you know, because he knows I live in a lot. But at any rate, when we were off the bus, I saw him. I went, like, dude, you know. Coach, what about you? Um, like, uh, what are some strategies that you would use? Well, I, Louis, I think, uh, you know, success begets success. Um, you know, when, when I started, I think, you know, I, I think I said this before. I think most people thought I was an alien in Tell <laughs> City. I mean, uh, you know, what's swimming? You know, swimming is right. not – you know, it's not a sport. And I told you I had a guy one time, one of the one of the parents of, uh, well, actually his daughter swam, but his boys played football. And he was sitting with me by the pool one day, and he says, Coach, I, I really respect what you're doing, and I, but I just don't understand. He said, I just don't understand why and how you do it. And I, I said, well, what do you mean why? He says, it's such a gay sport. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, you know, I, I, I hope that, you know, in the 
following years, we, we dispel that. And <laughs> maybe you see it's not quite as easy. And, you know, and as we got football players and stuff like that to get on the swim team and they'd come back and tell kids, you know, that's the hardest work I've ever done in my life, you know, and all yeah. this. But I think, I think, you know, that was important to me at Tell City because I, you know, I, I, I worked under Joe Talley as he was our AD and Bob Lockmuller was our, uh, you know, and, and uh, Joe Talley was the football coach. And, you know, when people walked on, when his kids walked on that football field, they didn't think they were going to win. They knew they were going to win. And when Bob Lockmuller's basketball players walked on the court, they didn't think they were going to win. They knew they were going to win. And that was important to me. And, and you know, it took us, you know, well, not even, you know, I mean, we had some success right off the bat with Tim Reed, uh, you know, in diving, making the state. Uh, well, I think he made the state the very first year uh, in diving. And, uh, you know, but then it was like the second year we had some girls make, because back then the sectional, if you took first and second places, uh, went to state. And we got a relay that got, got to state in the girls. It was Lori Dryling and uh, 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 not Marcy Highcamper, uh, Michelle Highcamper, Karen Ludwig, and oh, who's the fourth? Hopefully I'll think of it, or, uh, Michelle Mills. And, you know, and they made it to state. And so that made, you know, I was like, you know, so, so I don't know that it was anything I consciously did, you know, other than to build up, you know, uh, those kids. And say, see, this is what we can do. This is what we can achieve. And Karen Ludwig, I think, even made the 50 that year. You know, and then two years later in 84, um, you know, we won our first sectional. And we beat Castle three years in a row or four years in a row or whatever it was. We beat Jasper, you know, which was a big deal for us, you know, to beat those those kind of people. And once we started doing that kind of thing, um, you know, I, I think then the expectation was we were going to do it. You know, but oh, there again, I – I wanted to be like the football team. I wanted to be like the basketball team. I wanted to walk in there, and I didn't want them to think, yeah, well, maybe we're going to win this meet. I wanted them to know we were going to win this meet or, you know, or we were going to compete like hell and and, and do that. So, you know, I, I mean, does that answer your question? I, you know, I, I don't know that there was a specific strategy thing that, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know what that strategy would have been other than, you know, get your butt in the pool and work hard and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then, and then see what's happening. You're working, you know, you're working your tail off and this is what's happening for you. Uh, I, but, uh, no, I didn't have any kind of magic wand or anything like that to say, you know, I was scared to death most of the time, <laughs> Yeah, especially at the beginning. From a personal perspective, I think that, uh, that you emulated being uh, the model of hard work and dedication because you were really passionate about the sport. You're really dedicated about the sport. So like that was kind of whether you knew it or not, probably your strategy is like you, cause you showed how passionate you showed how excited you got when somebody did really well. Right. And so you, athletes by, by nature, I think they don't really, I, I, this is my personal point of view. I think there's kind of like a fear of failure and that fear of failure could be like a personal fear of failure or like failing somebody else, you know? So like you, you, you built those kids up so much through hard work and your passion that they were kind of like just fearful of failing you in the program. Does that make <laughs> sense? So like, yeah, like that's just my personal point of view. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know how you feel about that, but that's my, my point of view. I'm glad to hear you say that. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, like most coaches, I think I put the time in and, sure. um, you know, and, and, 
but but again, that's you know any coach I think that's successful and and you know and you and you kind of go by you know your own little successes. I you know I don't like I say I I don't want to make it sound like we were you know state champions or anything like that, but I mean I think the foundation was there um, and 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 I and I felt like we were successful and felt good about ourselves and and what we did in that 30 years I was extremely proud of and and like I say you know. Uh, when you when you look at the sectional championships, I don't I didn't see too many other schools our size winning sectionals uh, down there anyway. And uh, I mean, we got a little bit of a break when we got when we got away from uh, Mount Vernon and and Castle there, you know, in in the late 90s. But uh, you know, up to that point, I mean, you know, we still beat what uh, uh, still beat Castle Floyd and Central. Yeah, we still beat Floyd Central. We beat uh, New Albany. You know, big big schools and. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, 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 I'm glad to hear you say that, but that's, like I said, I, it's made me feel so good to hear so many of you say that you enjoyed your swim career and that you were, you know, happy with it because like I said, you know, mine was horrible and I, I hated it and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so to hear that you guys, uh, you know, appreciate that and everything meant a lot. Bruce, you got anything else you want to add to that? Well, no, I would, I would agree with Mike on that, but. You know, one of the things that I, especially in age group swimming, that I gauged my success on was, was if the kids were enjoying the sport and were going to be swimming, not competitively necessarily, but were going to be swimming in the years ahead, you know, that, that it were, uh, that they took this, you know, some of the fitness minded, you know, place, place of being, uh, and, and and kept going with it because, you know, when it's, I mean, truth be, be known, man, when it's all said and done, you know, in 20 years, you don't care, you know, if you won the sectionals or the NC2As or the, you maybe care if you won the Olympics, but, um, but you know, it's, it's, it's the, the path that, that got you there and the time that you put together with your teammates. And I mean, that's what, I, I don't remember anything about the swimming pool at the University of Evansville. And the time I spent in it, I remember a lot about the time that we spent out of it with our teammates and, and so forth. And that's, I think that's the real, you know, that's, that's the value to me of what, you know, what kids take with them is friendships and work ethic and, you know, this overall picture rather than, you know, I won the 50 breaststroke when I was 12. You know, well, who cares? <laughs> you know, so. No, that's good. I want to. I want to just read a quote here that I've um, I heard this past week. Is your merit as a high school coach is defined on how you set that athlete up for his or her future in the sport and in life. So, like, not necessarily, you know, be, you're not striving to be an Olympic athlete, but do they love the sport? You know, do they enjoy it? It's kind of kind of how I read that quote. I don't know this is what coach said. You know, like. He really wanted his swimmers to enjoy swimming for what it is. Yeah. And I think, you know, Mike, you have, you know, some degree of these kids that are following their, if they're still hanging in there listening to us today or not, but <laughs> they, they come on, you know, because you did instill those things on them. And I, you know, you have to take, and I'm sure you do, but you have to take great and deep pride in that, that you really helped those kids you know, added value to their life, you know, and, and I, I think that's just a, you know, that's way more important than, you know, a, a few blue ribbons or anything like that. And, 
it's obvious to me that uh, with Lou and everybody else who has been doing this this program, that you know you did that, Mike. I, and I I have the greatest respect for you that you accomplished something that's really really valuable. Well, thank you. Well, sure. I mean, I, I believe that. I really do. No, I do too. I do too. Thanks for saying that, Bruce. Sure, you do. <laughs> Bruce, I, I don't he know. He has one goal, Bruce. One goal on every one of these shows. And that's to make me cry. And when I don't do it, he's so disappointed. He can't wait till the next week so he can get me. That's not true. Actually, well, I knew when Bruce came on, we wouldn't do that because we'd have too much fun laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, before Bruce came on, I just him and I talked, and I said, okay, at the end, you got to get him really emotional. <laughs> try to make him shed a tear so it didn't work this time it did, did not work bruce i got two no. more i got two more questions for you bruce that i've been asking people here lately okay. um the uh the first question i really haven't asked anybody but since you're a coach and i me personally like i like to write down quotes it's kind of like my hobby like i hear i hear a good saying and i just write it down it doesn't really matter what it is so um, you've already said a kid doesn't um, a kid doesn't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So, do you have any other favorite quote? You know, this is one that's fresh in my mind because I uh, I used it a lot when I was at the university. But I used to tell the kids and and my high school swimmers too, nothing good happens after midnight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so get your butt home. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and you're heard... speaking from experience there, right? <laughs> That's a good one. And then, and then the last question is, what's the best in any context? So it could be like a movie you've seen or anything. Um, what's what's the best thing that you've seen during quarantine besides the sunset? Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. I haven't, I haven't done diddly squat. Uh, let me think about that. I can't see the sunset from where I am because the mountains are in the way. Um <laughs> I'm up early enough to see the sunrise, but probably the greatest thing I've seen, you know, it's really kind of sad, but I mean, it's just, I think the time that I get, I get online with my kids, my grandkids and my kids, and I get to spend time, these little buggers grow like weeds, you know, and, um, you know, my my daughter's in Virginia, the kids grew up here. I mean, they're still growing, they're young, but they lived here the early part of their lives. So we were, we saw them every day. Um, So it's, you know, it's, it's it's a you know a joy to be able to to see them and talk to them and uh, kind of watch how, watch them grow up. Yeah, do you see them more now though since you're in quarantine? Well, because we've made a point of you know we'll have an ice cream social on Saturday where everybody had vanilla ice cream and a brownie or something, and we all in our various locations are having that at the same time uh, while we're on you know on on the portal, which is just like this. I mean, it's a, it's a video conferencing thing. So, um, you know, we do that because, you know, we don't go, can't go to restaurants or anything. They're all closed. So, um, you know, so that's, that's kind of stuff that I think has been the most, the most fun in, in the last several months because can't play golf, can't, can't really do anything. So. Now you're a little, it's a little harsher out there than it is in other parts of the nation. I, I know Indiana is starting to, uh, you know, loosen up a little bit. California is as well, but we're starting to panic again, though, aren't we? Yeah, you know, and I don't think yeah. I, I. We'll see. We'll see. It's just crazy out there. They're so closing stuff. They're closing stuff back down again. Yeah, I try not to make my my uh, personal views known because uh, I don't want to get in trouble. 
so. Well, you know, I, I, you know, I'm retired, so I can kind of, you know, I can mouth off a little bit more than me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I see myself as a public servant, so no one really gives a shit what my point of view is. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you know, when I was working at the university, you know, I didn't. I was pretty tight lipped there because, you know, that's a that's a politically correct environment, and I'm really not that politically correct. So. Yeah. No, I can, tell. <laughs> I can tell. Bruce, your last thing, your story about the Coors Light coming down the um, the uh, right. the luggage ramp just, just still cracks me up. I sent that to my brother and and let him listen to it. I just cut the clip out. I thought you know, it was hilarious. It, it was it was it's one of those things you never forget because it wasn't like you know a case comes down that was torn open and there was a can out. It was one can at a time. <laughs> and it was like, oh man, what's, what was the guy, you know, the guy that put it on the thing, what was he doing? Just throwing cans up there? <laughs> yeah, tossing cans. He probably was. And, and the coach was right there and he was not a happy camper. <laughs> <laughs> he was a whole lot of times he wasn't real happy. <laughs> oh man. That's classic. That's why he left. He went to Oregon where they're a little more easy going, I think. Yeah, that's classic. <laughs> classic. All right, guys. Um, that's all I've got unless you guys want to say say anything for parting words. Well, the only thing I'll back when I when I get to uh assuming I still make it, when I get to the mainland, uh if I get anywhere near Indy, I'll I'll let you know. Okay. I was gonna say give me a call and even if I can get down there or something, I you know, I'll do it. Okay, well, I'll, I'll be staying at Ray's probably most of the time. I'll be, I got a brother and a sister I'll spend time with too, but, um, yeah. you know, uh, if I'm gonna be uh, for sure there, weekends better for you, or does it matter? Uh, it really doesn't much matter. Okay. He's not doing you know, shit. When you retire retired, <laughs> now, what the heck? Getting on his bike every once in a while, right, Coach? Once. What? <laughs> you know, I tried to kill me. I My kids tried to kill bike. me, Bruce. I'm, I said, "Well, that's a good, you know, because you get bored." So I said, "Well, I'll ride a bike. You know, that'll be a good exercise." Well, you know, there's one bike path in Kailua. Well, you know, you can do that. At least I could do that. You know, thirty, forty times. I was like, "Dude, I'm done." <laughs> it's like being in a pool, going down the street. You know, <laughs> same, same course. You know. Yeah. So I, I don't do that anymore either. And I can't play golf because the golf courses are closed. And, so. I don't like playing golf because my kids beat me. So. Well, I, you know, <laughs> I'm a very liberal with the rules kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> so if I had to play by the rules, I don't know if I'd like it either. <laughs> yeah, they kick my butt, man. It's not fun. So, But okay. uh, Bruce, uh, hey, man. It was good talking to you. Thanks yeah, for coming it was great on again. To you guys. And Bruce, thanks for setting it up. And Mike, good talking to you. You take care of yourself. Oh well, man. Love you. I love, love you too. You know, it's just great to see you. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. It's really fun. All right. Hey Bruce, if you go to uh if you head out to Indianapolis, Indianapolis and you guys hook up, I want a picture. So send me a send me a picture. Okay. Coach likes getting pictures. <laughs> Coach likes getting pictures of our kids, but I like getting pictures of old men and, and that are hanging out. So. <laughs> well, I guess if we take it, we won't be in trouble. When we take it. Nobody else takes it. <laughs> All right, guys. It was fun. Okay. Thanks. All uh, right. Bye. Take care, man. Take care of your family. Bye -bye. See you.
Hey, uh, Lou, yeah. give me a call back or or whatever after you get off, will you? Yep, we'll do. Bye. Bye.